0: Hey, welcome to Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And today we have
1: Zane Rubin on the podcast. She is a writer, director, producer, actress, showrunner, but she is really excellent at all those things. Matt had seen one of her shorts on Short of the Week, and he told me to watch it. And we were both like, oh man, she is very, very talented. She has like such a strong voice, a really strong visual style, uh, a really unique kind of viewpoint. On things, it's funny because like the subject matter feels familiar, but her... Her take, her, her point take of view. on it so good. Yeah, it feels so her, I guess, <laughs> which is weird to say because I didn't know
0: her before tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I think meeting her and talking with her, it just made all of those films make sense. And, you know, just a really exciting filmmaker to get to talk to. You know, it's funny. I think Zane um, is unlike most of the other filmmakers that we talk to lately because... You know, typically we're talking to someone who's got something to promote or that we know in some way, or there's a couple, you know, a few lines of connection. And Zane, I literally just cold emailed because I thought her work was so awesome. And so it was a real treat to just kind of be a fan of a person and then get to talk to them on a podcast. We talk about all sorts of things, how she puts together such an awesome cast, how she developed her voice, and the fact that she got started at a very young age, which You know, when typically people say that, they're like, oh, I got started as a kid or whatever. You kind of roll your eyes and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we all made videos in our backyard. Uh, But Zane was like into it for real in a meaningful way um, very young. Yeah, at the age of 15, she pretty much was like, I'm going to be a filmmaker. Yeah, and also was making films. Right, right. Early, like her first films were like, they were on 5Ds, yes, but like... She made a feature at, at the age of 16. <laughs> at 16, exactly. That's what I'm saying.
1: Uh, she's also the youngest guest we've ever had on yeah. a podcast. Yeah. By far, which is interesting because I think it kind of gives a perspective on... It's like she's part of that generation, I would say, that isn't like, wow, look at all these cameras we have we, to make movies with. It's like she's literally... Just making movies yeah. with the cameras
0: that are around. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like when she made her first movie, it was on the 5D, and she's like, oh, yeah, here's the 5D, you know? Uh, it was like like a free thing that you could borrow She from wasn't someone. like, I'm part of the digital revolution. Right, right. There's no pride in it. In, yeah. It was just, I, and I don't mean that in a negative way. There is just like a... You're just shooting with the cameras yeah. that people shoot with. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, it's a fun perspective and it's kind of what makes her special as one of our guests. Um, but before we get into talking to Zane, Matt, you had a topic you wanted to speak about.
0: Yeah. So, um, or... I have been kind of writing and sending things out and I think we're kind of both in the same zone of like you know you meet with some people and you pitch them a couple ideas you follow up with a few me emails that sort of stuff and so now I'm in that position where I've sent out a few emails and I haven't heard back yet but it's still within the window of like oh well they probably just haven't even read it yet normally this is a frustrating thing for writers but like you know you spend so much time crafting things and getting everything perfect and you're so proud of it and then you hit send and especially with my agent and manager i'm like 12 hours later like well they didn't even like it um when of course they haven't even had time to read it don't you wish so much stuff to read don't you wish everyone
1: would just say like hey got this gonna try to read it over the weekend
0: yes or hey got this my weekend reads are full for the next two months. I'll get back to you on the 31st. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to October. be better
1: about even, I mean, even our listeners, they'll send us things. And I'm trying to be better about saying like, hey, thanks for sharing. I'm going to check this out when I can.
0: <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, But at least acknowledging receipt is like actually a surprisingly easy and very
0: nice and appreciated thing you can do. And also not a thing that people do that often. It's okay. Industry standard. Sometimes some people are like, okay, got it. And some people, they just will email back when they have their thoughts. But so, Oren, how long do you wait after you send someone something to read? How long do you wait before you follow up to be like, hey, just wanted to circle back and hear your thoughts on this?
1: Honestly, I mean, if it's a friend of mine or someone I know well, I'll probably like text them a follow-up. And if they don't answer that i probably will just stop and then next time i see him at a party or an event it'll be really awkward <laughs> that'll be weird yeah cool and that's happened many times um if it's someone i don't know i will probably wait a week and then try to find something relevant that's mm-hmm. new information it's kind of like a well so like when you apply to college you know if you get rejected and you appeal like the number one rule is you can't appeal with just the reasoning of why you should get mm-hmm. in you have to appeal with new information right hey i just got an ap score back or right, right. i just got this reward or, or whatever so that's to me the same with pitching it's like there's the worst thing is to write back to them and be like hey so what'd you right. think um and the best thing is to be like hey uh my the actress we have attached just booked this big thing this might be sure. great timing
0: whatever well and i also having agents and managers they're that's their job is to do that stuff. So that's part of it. And people will always get back to you. I'm just impatient. In this business, it's always the exact same thing.
1: It's like you're freaked out that nothing's happening and then everything happens at the same time. I'm ready. So, yeah. Well, cool. Well, I hope you get some emails back. I hope I get emails back. I'm like, I feel like sending people documents. I'm just like, <laughs> it's the worst nobody wants to look at documents yeah anyway uh before we get into our chat with zane i wanted to remind people of two things number one itunes reviews please they're still very important if you haven't left if you didn't leave one for us during our big competition please
0: leave one for us because it helps people find the show and on the topic of my neuroses i've noticed that i think both of them both the review and the ratings are both like right on the cusp of round numbers much more satisfying numbers so like just kind of like help out my ocd and like make it from 169 to 170 or whatever it is i don't remember what they are exactly but like they're yeah, both that's a really compelling reason to leave us a review. really is driving me nuts you guys um okay i guess so, i'll leave us
1: another review myself <laughs> matt, matt got mad at me when i did that last time also, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash just shoot pod. It's a way uh, that many of you are already doing, but can help uh, throw a few bucks at the podcast per month to help us pay for all our things. If you feel like you get anything out of this podcast, even one out of five episodes, even if you only catch it when you want to, but you got that tip that got you that pitch, mm-hmm. that got you
0: that job, then, you know, help us out. Patreon.com slash just shoot pod. It's like buying one of us a coffee once a month not even
1: both of us but anyway thanks again and if you don't that's fine too and finally before we talk to Zane we just have one more message hey so we're here with Zach Lipovsky the creator of the new app Shotlister that helps you out with your shot lists on set can you tell us how you came up with it
2: sure i mean i was on set making my first movie and couldn't really believe there was no normal way of making shot lists pretty much everyone does it their own way and you basically print out an excel spreadsheet and then scribble all over it as the plan goes to pieces and uh, i was basically like doing the math and the margins of the piece of paper on the back of my ad trying to figure out like how many shots we could do before the end of the day and just figured there has to be a better way of doing this
0: yeah but zach don't you think that you miss out on the bonding experience of losing your shot list and asking all of the crew members and then them kind of looking disappointed in you because you're their leader like that's uh, an important part of filmmaking for me
2: shocking shocking yeah i don't actually miss that you know but it's, it's a good point
1: i'm always asking I'm like can someone please give me a copy of the shot list and like and i'll ask it three or four times throughout the day and at the end of the day i look in my pocket and there's like four copies of it in there
2: with shotless here you can just sync it to all of your crew so they all have it on their phones
1: perfect so you can borrow their phones when you lose yours
2: yeah if you lose your phone you can still find it
1: why does Shotlister work better than printing out paper
2: well it does a bunch of things not only is it the best way of building a shot list you can build it digitally and customize it and everything but it allows you to also build a shooting schedule where you can kind of basically kind of like a one-liner but for shots where you can Add time to each shot and how long you think it's going to take and then you can change it with just a flick of the finger as everything completely goes to crap (laughs) (laughs) once you're shooting.
1: (laughs) And is that not something that your AD would usually take care of?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can do it together. You you can create the shot list, and then you can make the AD the, the author of it, and they can change it, you know, as you go. You can basically, sometimes it's the DP doing it. You know, everyone does it differently.
1: And you yourself have directed a couple of movies for Disney, you had a movie at TIFF, but obviously a filmmaker yourself, and you find that it helps you on set?
2: I don't know how people shoot without it, because it allows you basically to visualize your shoot day rather than just guessing how you're doing, you have a very concrete visual of how you're doing and that allows you to kind of basically prioritize stuff you really need and put the stuff you don't at the end And as that changes, you know, move it around. So that's really, really helpful.
1: And do you think it's helpful even for a small kind of crew, someone just starting out with their buddies?
2: Actually, most of our people are small crews because they don't have an AD and they're also the director and they're also doing craft services. And so they need something they can rely on because they don't have a lot of crew to rely on.
0: (laughs) So Zach, you've uh, decided to give away 100% free 50 copies of Shotlister. Every month, even if you're listening to this show again in 2020.
2: 2020 actually isn't that long from now. (laughs) I guess that's true. (laughs) That's That's not that. 2525, go with that. Um, Yeah, basically, um, every month we're going to give away 50 copies. So if someone is listening to this and they email justshootitpod at shotluster.com and says, you know, what platform they want, we have macOS, Android, and iOS, and whatever platform exists in the year 2525. And then we'll just send you a free copy. We get 50 away months. So if there's there's ones left, send us an email.
0: And that sounds crazy, but I think there's a really smart tactic to it. And basically, the way it boils down is as soon as you're into this app, as soon as you adopt it as part of your shooting process, you become an evangelist.
2: (laughs) A lot of people who use it end up telling all their friends and they want their crew to use it and they want their AD to use it. So we're giving you a free copy so you can use it. And it's a fully free copy. It never expires or anything. And then, you know, if you love it, tell your friends.
0: That is putting your money where your mouth is zach i love it so uh, if you are listening to this podcast even months from now even years from now email just shoot it pod at shotlister.com for your free copy of shotlister and finally here's zane
1: rubin so you're a filmmaker writer director producer actress actor What do you prefer
0: actor
3: Sure, I'll take the male version. I'll I will take actor.
0: I think actor's like neutral, right?
3: Yeah, I mean actress. I'm like, do we need it?
0: Yeah, I think. We need I, it I as think a actress
1: is like passé now. Yeah. I like actress because it's more descriptive than actor. Well,
3: actress implies like like a whole, you <laughs> yeah. know, like a whole thing.
1: What? The only argument I've heard that was kind of a, not a bad argument was that you say doctor and not doctress
3: doctress
1: <laughs> doctress is
3: very i funny actually kind of like that lo- <laughs> that's great
0: <laughs> i can't wait to see your latest short zane doctress Doctress. Um, so tell sense. us <laughs> i saw just a uh, short of yours on short of the week vimeo staff pick one of those short of the week uh short super great um thanks killer cast and it kind of like I, I saw that piece and i was like oh you're interesting Wait, which one did you watch yeah I, by like d- d- good d- dinner party? good dinner party yeah thank you cool if you're at a computer by the way go to zanerubin.com right now yeah take a look at R-U-B-I-N. your stuff B-I-N. the tricky thing with good dinner party is that like there's a million shorts out there that started at a dinner party and then things go crazy yeah and uh so the deck was stacked against you yes and it's still good thank you <laughs> Yeah, it's really good.
3: Yeah, I um I've made a lot of uh shorts that are two-person scenes. They've basically like all been two maybe three-person scenes just cuz like that was what I could do. Sure. That was what I could afford to do cuz it just costs no money and it's easy and it takes, you know, 4 hours and you're done. But then I was kind of like, "Oh, well, I want to do something that's more challenging." Mm-hmm. So, I think dinner table scenes are kind of like the car chases of comedy. Sure, yeah. So yeah. I thought funny. that would be an interesting way to sort of challenge myself. But unfortunately, we only shot for one day.
0: And it would remind me, how many people are at the table? Eight. Eight, eight, eight. yeah.
3: Including eight. myself. So it was like, it was basically impossible to direct it. It was like things were going on at the other side of the table that I had no idea yeah, were happening just until like- post. Because the takes were like 15 minutes.
1: Oh, right. You did the whole thing in one take?
3: For a couple angles, yeah. And then... And how many cameras were you rolling?
0: Two. Two. Yeah,
3: great. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, we just didn't get the amount of coverage that I probably would have liked to get. I would have liked another day or another you know sure. 10 days to shoot.
0: It's so hard to articulate how boring and laborious dinner table scenes can be. You mm-hmm. know, like it's so much you really kind of have to like take them in smaller bites, you know? You almost like make them into scenelets or something. So it's interesting that you did them as long full takes. Did you find um how did the day evolve? Like did it get better, did it get worse or was there like an ebb and flow to how you picked your coverage in it?
3: Um, well, we basically just did the coverage I had shot listed for the most part, but as the day went on and we ran out of time and we were being like, you know, pushed out of the location, I kind of just picked and chose what stuff of each actor I wanted mm-hmm. to get in their kind of close up angle. But I mean, everybody was, everybody was really good. Let's,
1: I want to just say a kind of the log line real quick of the short which I, I just watched it, actually, like an hour ago. so
3: Great. I know it
1: really well. Probably better than you.
3: Probably. I've <laughs> blocked it out.
1: Um, but it's about a dinner party where one couple uh, suggests that they try to all have an orgy together. And everyone's into it except for Zane's character.
3: Right. So I, I guess the, the premise isn't super original. But my the thing that I like to do, at least with shorts, not with the longer stuff I'm writing that nobody's seen yet, but with shorts... Uh, is take a premise that's like maybe just kind of like blah like Mm -hmm. not really not really much and then kind of put my own spin on it there's this like there's a thing in female comedy where it's so sex-based because for so long women weren't allowed to talk about sex and Mm -hmm. they that was just not a thing and then all of a sudden they could and then all of comedy just became about like, oh, I masturbate. And I'm like, yeah, cool. So does everybody else. That's like not that original, Um, but good for you. And that's like a bit like, it's just like, oh, I love sex. Like, that's not a joke. It's not (laughs) anything. Right. Right. I'm happy you like like sex.
1: Like I see like older writers are kind of from like an older generation make jokes about like, oh, they were just tweeting all day. Like that's like a punchline to something. But that's like... Yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. That is what people are doing. Right. Sending each other messages on Snapchat is not like a joke. Sure. You know? It's just people living. Yeah.
3: Um, when I started making things, I was I was not in any kind of relationship and felt very unseen, um, you know in a romantic and sexual way. And then all-female comedy was like, nah, sex. And I was like, not everybody's having it. Some of us are sad and alone. And then I kind of wanted to make things that combat that. So The Last Virgin in L.A. was a short I made and that I made when I was a virgin. And those were the kinds of conversations that people would have around me. They'd be like, oh, you don't... You should just go away while we talk about sex, because you haven't had it, and that'll make you feel better being in a corner. Sure. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. But thank you um, for but taking cool. me out of the conversation.
0: So, so Zane, I want to back up a little bit because I think there's so many things done back here. I, the what's fascinating the most to me about this is that, like, you look through all of the things that you have on your website, and like, there's such a clear voice already right I and mean, i think part of that is thanks to you being um you know the writer director performer right like you're you star in everything that you do basically um give or take maybe
3: everything i made a comedy central web series that i did not start oh, i that's acted right. in one of the episodes right, right. um and then like all the stuff that i'm currently developing basically all of it mm, I would say, you know, most of it is not for me to start mm-hmm. because at a certain point, it's just like, you know, I want to tell whatever story. Sometimes I don't fit into that. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Um, yeah, there, well,
1: was, there did seem to be like a common theme throughout your work. Which is all these really cool sexual people talking and then and then, and then, 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 me then me just, we cut to you. Me just being on
3: the outside. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's just feeling yeah, yeah. just all your life like you're on the outside, you know, uh, in just every every way. Nobody likes you. You're offensive. Like, I'm, I'm offensive. I say the wrong things. Uh, you know, I'm not whatever enough. Um, but it's also just, I think, uh, a different female voice that, for some reason doesn't seem to exist you know there's like there's male schlub but there's mm-hmm. not so much like female schlub um but you're i want to be you're the
0: female seth rogan but i want to be hot
3: too oh there you go <laughs> i want to be seth rogan gq
0: you mentioned earlier uh when you got started right mm-hmm. so, you, so on your website it says you got started at 15
3: um well so in in my early teens i uh like from i guess like 12 13 14 15 i i really wanted to be a comedian i was really really into comedy
1: where are you from where'd you grow up you grew up in la
3: yeah and um for a while i was writing stand-up it was all about suicide found those journals later on oh boy (laughs) you know when i don't keep a journal because i don't want anybody to read it including myself in the future like 12 hours go by and i'm like oh my (laughs) god this is dark (laughs) Woo! (laughs) so that's why i don't keep a journal anymore um but yeah uh so i wrote stand up and i took like improv classes and stuff and i thought that that's probably what i was gonna do and then i I did have some kind of fascination and, you know, acting, but there was just like no roles for people. Was your family in the business at all? Um, My dad has had a very tumultuous, struggling, long career in comedy.
1: As a comedian?
3: As in everything, you know, writer, actor, producer. He had a comedy magazine. He made videos. Wait, what was his
0: comedy magazine?
3: Uh, He had a comedy magazine. called Mad? In, no, in uh, the early, in the late 80s for a few years. Wow. Called Laugh Track that he made. It was like the first magazine. It was like four people in comedy and then it had like Mm -hmm. joke articles, whatever. Um how so you yeah, tell a good joke. He's done just about everything that you can do in comedy. But,
0: but so he had a little bit of guidance in terms of like, oh, like if you want to do open mics or things like that, he can kind of guide you in the right direction? Or, he, or it was more no, just an awareness that it, comedy is a was, job?
3: It was more just an awareness that it existed. And, and by the way, an awareness that it was a job, and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't the kind of thing where your parent is... You know, Jed Apato, and you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I can do that too." Mm-hmm. It was more like your parent is on the couch crying, and you're like, "I <laughs> might have to do that also." <laughs> oh no!
1: Wait, but, but help? Do you guys are you raised with laughing at home all the time, like making a lot of jokes? And-
3: yeah, it was a it was a, it was a very um, dysfunctional household. I think all of us probably had our own cocktail of mental illnesses going on that we didn't quite realize until later mm-hmm. but yeah it, we were we're the kind of family that like you know in the midst of something horrible we're already laughing there was no mm-hmm. plus time you know they say tragedy plus time equals comedy it was just tragedy equals comedy immediately so just make the joke jack- you, yeah, sure. joking about it Yeah. Um, So that's what I think was really strange about our situation.
0: And so when did you make your first film?
3: When I was 15, I decided to make a short. And um, yeah, I really had no idea what. Directing was at that point, and then I think every film I made after that, I kind of came up with a new definition of directing. Mm -hmm. Like I think it it kept going back and forth between like a director does nothing. What do they like? I think that that was the first thought I had.
0: It does feel weird sometimes. You're You're like, like,
3: what do they do? What am I doing? I do
0: think the best
1: directed stuff is when you feel like you're doing nothing. Sure. Or the worst directed.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Every once in a while, I I feel like. The crew is judging me for not doing anything. Do you guys ever get that?
3: I have a big fear of the crew of the cast. I I also think that directing is an incredibly lonely job.
0: Sure, that's why we started the podcast. You you for, for real? Sh- you
3: show up to set, yeah. and you're like, uh, "Hey, uh, DP, what's going on?" And they're like, "I'm setting up." And you're like, "No, no, yeah, yeah, do you, yeah, do you, cool, do cool, you, yeah. cool." And then you're yeah. like, "Go to the actor," and you're like, "Cool, cool what's going on? You need any help?" like, "I'm." getting my makeup i can't really talk right now And you're like yeah totally totally you have fun and then you're just like standing there and the ad's like you cool and you're like yeah
1: yeah you're also like trying to desperately be everyone's friend because i think there's like some illusion in like the world of directing that like a really great director is just like so close with like the
0: people on the set right boy i hate when people are like we're all best friends now I yeah. hate like I hate Scorsese what and Leonardo and like, DiCaprio you like know, they're like like a panel afterwards yeah yeah exactly
1: it's the worst are you best friends you're best friends with your all your cast and crew
4: no <laughs> <laughs>
3: um no i mean one i of wanted my, you to be like yeah one of my dp's is is one of my best friends yeah and um one of the actors I've used is one of my closest friends, but or a couple of the actors. but Sure, sure. And,
0: and we're saying, yeah. I'm not saying that, like, obviously everybody works with their friends all the time, but I'm saying, like, it's annoying when you're at, like, a panel and you hear people talking about how they've all bonded so much. Like, yeah. that's not an interesting story, and it makes me jealous also. I, yeah. I
3: mean, I, I hope to become friends with whoever i need friends right it's but it, but woman. on those like on those <laughs> Please like one contact day me shoots. via my website <laughs> uh yeah on like a one day shoot yeah sure i mean I, there are people who you're like oh that guy was really pleasant i yeah, really yeah. liked him a lot but then sometimes there's also just like you're like you know i've had things where like i thought i was you know i put like somebody who i was kind of friends with in something and then mm-hmm. i was like well we're not gonna talk to that person yeah. anymore no, that was weird. <laughs> Uh, Don't like
0: them. Because I guess it is a strange thing also of like, you have to be their boss. You know, like if your friend isn't delivering, you still have to kind of like, you know, push them to get where they need to go. And that doesn't have to be adversarial, but it it could be awkward, I guess, maybe.
3: I do think you, if you, I've become good friends with a producer of mine, the guy who, his name is Rob Rob Hatchmiller. Rob Hatchmiller. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just worked with him.
3: Oh, he's great.
1: Do you know um, Zach B? right? Bornstein. Bornstein. I don't know him, but... Rob just produced a short for him.
3: Yeah, Rob loves to take jobs that make him no money. He's a great guy. But uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's somebody who I became friends with, but from making stuff together, not from... um, Mm -hmm. I had known him before. And I think if you make something with someone and then you become friends and then you use them again, great.
1: That's a different... How did you you find him? I'm actually kind of curious... Because so Rob Hatchmiller, he's a producer. He produces all sorts of things, including independent, like very low budget short films. Yeah. The one we, uh, that I worked on with Zach is like had like an awesome cast. Avery Munson was in it, and yeah, um, I
0: love Avery. Uh, Kate McCucci, too, Kate right. McCucci,
1: yeah. So. yeah. Um, and it's like I feel like every every filmmaker's dream is to find a producer that wants to produce and not direct, you know.
3: Yeah, he's great. He also directs documentaries, though weirdly, with his his mm. wife Paloma, they just directed a documentary that was at Tribeca. That's really wonderful.
1: Oh, cool! Actually. How did you meet him? How did you he's, how do you find a producer for a short film?
3: Weirdly, I know I know a lot of like producers who want to make things, but they don't have. I mean, they don't have like the money. They're just like,
0: you but get the do money, the work I'll do the
3: work, and I'll be there. Yeah, kind of a thing. Um, but Rob actually saw my Comedy Central web series and, and was very new to L.A. from New York. And uh, I think I he was just kind of kind of contacting people, like trying to meet people. He, he hustles, you know. Mm-hmm. And we just got coffee and uh, he was like, like he just
1: emailed you and was like, hey, I saw your series. Can we grab coffee?
3: Yeah. That's how I have most of my friends, which makes me sound bad. I will say it sounds a little narcissistic, well, that's but, that, but that's how, how I meet people. Cool.
0: So let's back up then. How did you get your Comedy Central series?
3: Really boring. Just just a meeting. Just a meeting. Yeah. yeah, nothing. How'd you get the meeting? My manager.
0: How'd you get the manager?
3: Uh, I made seven short films. And, and she finally saw one of them. On did, um,
0: did any of them go anywhere fancy or notable?
3: No. I have actually been rejected from every single film festival I've ever applied to. 100% across the board? <laughs> 100%. Because <laughs> you
1: only applied to like, Sundance.
3: Oh, no. Oh, I can't
1: imagine your shorts not getting into any festival because they're really good. I've
3: gotten in, thank you. I've gotten rejected from, I've gotten into one film festival, I will say. I did not apply, but I did get into one film festival. But technically, I have gotten rejected from every single one I've ever applied to. It's
1: the festival you got into.
3: Montclair.
0: Wait, do I know New Montclair? Jersey. Oh,
3: gotcha. It's like yeah. very middle of the road. And they saw level it online or festival. something? No, Rob actually oh, okay, had his documentary was playing there and he, he forced like, them to take it. He's gotcha. <laughs> like, listen. It was nepotism. he's was like, good. dude, she's going to kill herself. She's yeah. on the brink here and somebody needs to take this.
0: If we don't go to
1: Montclair. <laughs> Wait, so your manager just saw it online?
3: Yeah. Um,. Yeah, I had a friend of mine shared it on Twitter, and her. Um,
1: Was your friend Jeanette McCurdy?
3: No, although she's actually the one I mentioned, who's um, one of the actors I've worked with, who's a very close friend of mine.
1: Oh, because she's famous, right?
3: She's very famous. She's very, very famous.
1: Um, and the other... you guys should actually
3: have her on the podcast. She's a director now. Oh, oh really?
1: Interesting. Yeah. That'd do, be you know great. She, do you know who?
0: Do you know ICarly? Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. What well, she got one short of the week? Oh, um, cool. She has a short on there. Yeah.
0: I would argue that Short of the Week is like a prestigious online festival.
3: I will I will agree. Yeah. Short I of the Week agree. has ha- put two of my things up and mm. No Budge put one of my things up. And those are, you know, like those are the online sure. film festivals. But you
1: also get way more eyeballs on your stuff from those than from like Newport Beach Film Festival. Yes. Or even Palm Springs or something.
3: Yeah. That's true. But there's no networking aspect. Yeah, that's true. And that's a that's a problem, you know, like if if like let's say I, even me going to Montclair which was fine, you know, like everybody who goes to festivals is involved in other festivals mm-hmm. and then that helps you get into more festivals sure. and like it just kind of was like a domino effect. But if you don't get into any you don't have any of those connections. And like, you know, I would like to make a movie that gets into Sundance one day. And I can't even get into Boca Raton Jewish Film Festival. Sure, yes, they've rejected me. I swear Well, it's probably because
4: your
1: stuff is fairly rated Son R.
3: Cal Student Film Festival. Name a film festival. <laughs> I promise they've rejected me. I mean, like, even like Maryland has rejected me three Cinequest. times. They've rejected me twice. I mean... I'm sure like my film freeway account is just like the most depressing thing you've ever seen. It's like a, a post apocalyptic freeway. It's an endless scroll of not selected, not selected, not selected. And every day I get an email. I'm like, Oh, I applied to
1: Wait, Oh but how, I don't so remember
3: applying, but they you don't get want me. A manager. Um she saw my film online and her Which film? Netflix and chilled. I yeah, yeah. Yeah. I oh, I, yeah. Didn't see that one. I, had, I made that film and um, it got shared by a comedian friend and uh, her hus- now husband saw it, who's a successful comedy writer. And she very much trusts his opinion. And mm-hmm. he was like, Oh, Perry, this is really funny. You should look at it. And she was quitting UTA as an agent about to become a manager. And like, I was just like, the first person she cool. took on um, uh, that
0: is perfect though That is the exact sort of manager you're looking for right <clears throat> someone who's hungry someone who's connected and someone yeah. who's building a roster That's awesome. Totally. Okay. So you did a show for super
1: deluxe you did a show for comedy central and you also mentioned you did a show for Jesh. Right, so what are you how are you getting all these shows? You're so you're getting the meetings through your manager and what are you saying when you go to these meetings? Are you pitching your own ideas?
3: Yeah, uh the super deluxe one I was there initially for a general to do, you know, TV and film stuff and I saw that they were f- they, you know, I knew they had money and I was like, okay, I want to get some of that. <laughs> so, I was like, what is something super deluxey that I could pitch them? And I just off the top of the hat, my head I had made this short film called R.I.P. Love that was really bad and super low budget. And so I just kind of came up with, oh, what if we expanded that? What if it was every episode mm-hmm. I, you know, I die in a That's different R. way. R.I.P.
0: this, R.I.P. that. yeah, but
3: from, yeah. Uh, like, you know, embarrassment or
0: mm-hmm.
3: whatever. And then the Comedy Central thing, you know, I, I, I had had the idea. Initially, you know, it was something that I felt, you know, I I was really crazy in my relationship. But I didn't want to have it with a female protagonist because I felt that that might be kind of sexist like oh like crazy girl she's (laughs) she's too clingy. (laughs) And I was like that's not super fun. So then I kind of thought about what it would be like with a guy and then we pitched to like two other places and I was kind of shocked Comedy Central wanted it.
1: So what was your pitch? It's just a show about a clingy guy.
3: Uh, You know, I had all the episodes worked out And like, this is what happens in this episode This is what Mm -hmm. happens in that episode Here's the log logline You know, I'm always coming up with You know, new stuff I'm I'm essentially just like in a constant state of waiting to pitch things You know, I always have like plenty of things That's just the hardest part is getting in the room to pitch the thing And Mm -hmm. then them saying, you know, yes It's
1: so funny because I feel like The longer you work in this business Like those two things like totally swap it switch positions, like it's gets way easier to get into the rooms, but like you get way less excited. Like or you, you yeah. have less th- than a hundred ideas. You get a little more oh precious God, I, too, because you're don't like, have ideas. you're like, yeah, I've seen
0: that before, I've done that before. This isn't yeah. sure. Like, yeah, am I really gonna? Like, how much am I gonna make on this thing? You know what I mean? There's a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, right. what's their budget? I but can't. you're giving me a knowing look. You're already there. Oh yeah. Well, I
3: mean, the, I've done so now. I've three times. I've worked in the $15,000 range.
1: Per episode. Yeah. For like like a five to ten minute thing.
3: Yeah, whatever. And like, you know, I don't make any money. And I work really hard. And for... A long time too <laughs> and when it's um, when I'm hired as the director for that and they're a company and the company pays me a very little sum I just got paid 500 dollars to direct something and it was like months of work
4: yeah
1: yeah and you're just saying like, you're like this is a joke. Really? was it something this you is... wrote
3: no um, oh really so you've you've directed <laughs> other people's things too just recently yeah I'll, I'll send it to you guys
1: so Matt and I both saw your stuff. Matt kind of t- showed me your stuff, and I think both of us had the same reaction, which is like, "Damn, this is really it's good." So we're so jealous. That so good. <laughs> you have such a well-defined voice, yeah. and I want to get a little bit into your visual style too, because I think that yeah, there's a lot of like consistent. looking directly
0: into the lens, which is
1: interesting, and or no, like right like, off axis. No over-the-shoulder shots. Like no handheld. I can, I like, can
3: be honest about the. Uh, so the way the visual start style started was: I am a Jewish person who does not look good being shot from any angle except for the front. So that's, oh, that's how so the style evolved. So you're like,
0: well, we'll shoot everyone. I was like, front.
3: how do we make me look? Oh, you know, from but the front, about- I'm not so bad. <laughs>
1: Let's just but do what that. about over the shoulder shots? Those are even yeah. more. Concealing.
3: I think, I di- you know, I, di- I did those, I think, you know, in early work, they, they they existed, and then I think at a certain point, I was like, everybody do's, does those. That's maybe not so interesting. Yeah. What can I do that's um, more interesting? And then also, I think, I, I always liked putting myself in, in this position where like people were ganging up on me and that's just more fun if you're doing these pov shots and they're Mm -hmm. literally looking at you like all yeah angry and you're like because that's how it feels you know so that's how i you know ended up there and then as far as like not wanting to do handheld again it was like comedy handheld been there done that not so interesting Mm -hmm. you know um comedy can look really really shitty and i'm like i want to make pretty movies that happen to be funny
1: right because your stuff is really well art directed you know like the the background the every frame has a lot of depth the composition is nice
3: thanks and i will give um credit in terms of art direction initially to my my dp tanner tanner hall Um, really great. He, uh, he shot, the first thing he shot for me was Netflix and chill. And, um, the crew was literally just him. That was it. And he, he didn't sound too. There was one guy, there was one guy holding a mic, but he lit the whole thing. He worked the camera. He would move around all the furniture and paintings Mm -hmm. and plants to make sure the frame was full. Did you know him? he had uh been dating my sister a couple months and he was the first cinematographer that i really met who was cool. like an actual cinematographer awesome and i was like i'm gonna take advantage of this <laughs> and i did Wait, they still
0: not break up with him no uh. but you still work with
3: him yeah 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 well there I'd, you go yeah it was it's it's been hard <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's great and he's like, he's a workhorse, like yeah. he, he can do the job of 12 men. I did that music video with my sister actually and he shot that and he managed to get a Alexa mini anamorphic package. Leftover on like a weekend yeah and we just went to the desert and we shot it and he was the only one and he's out there just like setting things sure, up yeah. and like yeah. moving around and Go like for it, Tanner. yeah <laughs> and it's insane and you watch it and you're like this is beautiful yeah. like how did he do this but he's yeah he's wonderful you know so i learned i learned a lot from him about real filmmaking because before, prior to that i had been very mumblecore running gun mm-hmm. you know whatever and then um
1: yeah, your stuff does not feel Mumblecore at all to me.
3: Well, that's kind of how I started, but then I realized that, you know, Mumblecore's dead and <laughs> nobody wants that because basically when, you know, the Alexa Mini took off, people were like, oh, we have nice cameras that we can, you yeah, know, what? like we're not to. hiding things anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, things can look nice and that's a good thing. And then, um, yeah, so that's when my stuff really started looking okay. And then, um, that So that short looks okay. I mean, it's shot on a, a Black Magic Mini. Uh, yeah, the, the little Ursa, tiny ones. Yeah, yeah. And, the Pocket. Uh, the Pocket. Yeah, yeah. It's shot on the Pocket, yeah. I've,
0: I've never shot that with that camera. Netflix until you're done. Yeah,
3: and then the one after that, uh, that's my. That's when I met my boyfriend who had wanted to help me make something that was actually well-produced, and that's when I had more of a, a crew that was more than two people mm-hmm. was um, the Netflix, or uh, the last virgin in la was when we had like a six-person crew and that was a big step up
0: and let me ask uh because i I feel like i recognize and love most of your cast it's like i'm like oh like i love whitmer thomas is in a thing of yours jake wiseman is so funny yeah um brody brody reed yeah like there's a bunch of people out there right so Mm -hmm. um well, alan
3: mccloud is a doll wait who sorry alan McLeod. oh yeah that's right alan mccloud isn't he's wonderful so funny so nice and Lou so Taylor funny Pucci. anyway
0: yeah i could losers. literally i could keep going right how do you is it that you have personal relationship with relationships with these people how are you going about casting how are you getting these people because um, i think that's the other thing that's part of this most style most of right? the time yeah. your casting is really good Yeah. Thank
3: you. Most, I think that's my biggest skill as a director, and I all 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 I want is to become so successful that I get a call, and it's like you know whoever director, and like who do I put in this role? I'm like ah, let me handle it. I'll have it worked out in ten minutes. I'll (laughs) give you a call back.
1: Like Last Virgin in L.A. is like so well cast. I
0: feel
3: like oh, thank you. I mean
0: they're all they're all good. Yeah, Yeah, that's the guy especially is super funny. The boyfriend. The boyfriend. Well, he's like a movie star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So well, there you go. So so how did you get him?
3: It was really weird. Uh, I um, was in this little web series called The Skinny Mm -hmm. years ago. And he, when he was just starting out, had like a, you know, like a four line mole in it, whatever. And I, when I watched the whole series, I was like, that guy's fucking good. Who is he? And I was like, oh, I need a boyfriend. I saw he was in some little indie movie, and I didn't know how big his role was in it, and it wasn't out yet, and it was called Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And so I just tried to get in touch with him. And I went on IMDb Pro, and I found his contact. who is who he is?
1: He's the middle?
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. He's the
1: main guy in the middle section. Yeah.
3: Um, and now he's been, like, he's starred in a couple other movies, too. Sure. So yeah. I um, called this number, and um, I was like, hi, is, is is Ashton there? And they were like, this is his grandpa he's not here right now (laughs) and i spent like weeks trying to get in touch touch with him and his email didn't work and his phone was off and his internet ran out and And this is all
0: this is all imdb pro or how are you getting yeah just
3: just just off of there yeah Yeah. and
1: wait he has his grandfather's phone number on imdb pro it was
3: like it was like his his phone had died so i had to call another phone that was like his grandpa it was like really weird and like he had initially said yes when I sent it to him. And then like I didn't hear from him and I couldn't get in touch with him. And it was like the dates were approaching and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm still in. Sorry, like my computer broke, my Internet died and my I lost my phone. And I was like, oh, cool. Great. I'm not worried about you not showing up. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. Um, but he did show up and he was super nice. He was The best actor I had ever worked with up up till that point. Um, He's still, you know, in top two with Lou Taylor Pucci. You know, there's there's another echelon of acting where you're like, holy fuck like and they're both in that echelon and i mean they're both movie stars so it makes sense sure um they can carry a film and there's a reason why they can carry a film i mean they're both wild cards as human beings Mm -hmm. but that's like part of the charm you know you're like did you read the script and like yeah i read it a couple months ago and then you're like they just jump in and they know all the lines yeah yeah. and you're like but how do you how does that work (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, he it just he ended up showing up, and then like two months later, Moonlight came out, and he was a huge star, and it was really weird. <laughs> like, Great. Uh, and it, then and
1: actually, just to stop you real quick, is, <laughs> is your your dialogue feels very naturalistic, especially when you're talking. Um, is it all pretty much like scripted to the T?
3: Yeah, I'd say ninety percent scripted. You know, like I'm always like, if you want to add or subtract to a line, mm-hmm. feel free. But when I first started with the more kind of mumblecore style, I would do all improvised. Mm-hmm. And I quickly realized that it, it just goes off in its own direction and it becomes impossible to yeah, cut. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like... Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty much scripted. Yeah.
0: I want to go back to the casting thing. Are the other stories similar to that? Where it's just like you just figure out a way or is it...
3: Um, Lou... Lou was a friend of a friend, I think.
0: Yeah. So it's just kind of like personal and connections, basically.
3: Jeanette, Jeanette's a friend. Yeah. And then Sky, Skyler was the other blonde girl in *Last right. Virgin*. That one we just really went through her agent, and I can't believe she said yes. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, like you didn't
1: do a casting session; you just saw her. No, somewhere? I've,
3: I've, uh, I've never had anybody audition, and if that's how I get such good people. Mm-hmm. I don't really believe in that. Um, it's never been a problem for me. I've never run into, like, oh, shit, this person's terrible. There's been people who I'm like, okay, he's not as good as I wanted him to be. All right, okay, we're gonna get through this. And then, you know, we cut around it. I've worked with people who don't act, have never acted, will never act again, and are really ashamed of the film. Um, and we made it work that
0: was a real (laughs) curveball you were setting up like and they were terrible
3: (laughs) and they were fun you know like i mean like we we were able to cobble something together yeah yeah um
0: i mean that's just experience right like you just figure out like what you need right it's kind of like the version of the tabletop story you were selling telling earlier just like okay just get your moments and then you know you can make it work in the end yeah um, well, so what's uh, what's next? Yeah.
3: You know, I, I think this is probably something you guys can relate to on some level or maybe could at some point. But I've made a lot of things for no money. I can't really do that anymore. Um, the favors sure we've gone through those you know (laughs) especially
0: also you're in a really funny place where like you're doing stuff for major companies like it's easy to be like hey like this is a passion project let's all get together and do this thing but you can't be like and also it's for comedy central
3: right well that's the thing is like the people i use you know i just did something for josh and i hired a dp who ended up paying out of pocket to get the shots we want
4: right
3: Makes me feel so fucking shitty for the dash thing. Yeah, I was like I don't want you to pay out of pocket. Oh God, as he was telling me that, we pulled up to his car and he had just gotten a ticket. Oh, that's brutal. And I was like, it's Oh classic. my God, I'm so sorry. He's like, uh, It's fine. Is um, there like
1: a, any other kind of genres or anything that you want to explore? I guess all the stuff I've seen of yours is very like relationship based.
3: Yeah. Well, right now I'm I'm uh, me and my boyfriend are writing a movie. I so I I, I have this. Um, it started with the fact that I had this recurring nightmare that I'm uh, I'm back in school and I can't leave. And um, I have a similar
0: nightmare. It's fairly common where I I I haven't um I haven't done a certain requirement for school. Yep,
3: same thing. Yeah.
0: And I know that my life is going to happen as soon as I like take this stupid thing, but I don't get to go because I moved to LA after high school. And I'm like, I know there's something out there that I want. It's the worst. Anyway.
3: Well, mine's similar because yeah. I never finished high school. So my oh. mine are I'm Way back, to
0: bury the lead.
3: I'm back in high school and I they found out that I never finished. And I'm like, But I'm twenty two, I have a whole life and a yeah. whole career. Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, no. You have to start from where you left off. And I'm like, I'm only a sophomore. And then it's just like classic, like, ah Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just screaming. Into the You're abyss, like, no. but so I wanted to make a film that was um, like a horror movie about somebody trapped in a high school, and so I I, I wrote this film. I wrote a few drafts, and um, it was terrible. It was really is it good now? Really bad. So I um I my boyfriend read it and he was like, yeah, it's a uh, it's funny, and I was like, yeah, it was supposed to have a little humor. And he's sure. like, no, it's it's funny, and I was like, okay. I get it i know what you're trying to say <laughs>
4: <Did> <laughs> my mean, like,
1: leap to genre I didn't, didn't go as
3: well as i might have hoped
1: and it's not scary
3: it just like didn't work it just didn't work and um I, I see that now but then i was like okay well help me because like i i'm i'm very confident in writing shorts web series pilots TV, that kind of stuff. When it comes to features, I've written probably 20 really, truly bad ones. Like, not even to the point where I would ever show anybody any mm-hmm. of them. Um,
1: That's a lot of features. Yeah. They
3: don't exist. I don't even have them on my computer. They're just, like, gone. Like, it, it's, no one needs to see that ever. But with this, I was like, I like I like putting this woman in high school. And then, weirdly, as we kept talking about it, it became something completely different. It became um, about this codependent relationship between a mother and a son who were these characters that already existed and um essentially about this mother who has a history of a kind of sexual abuse and she's really really close with her son and he's a great kid and blah, blah blah and one day she gets a call that her son has sexually assaulted somebody at school and she defends him um yeah so that's so not funny not funny <laughs> not funny it's a hoot <laughs> um yeah not really funny but also like my my mom and my brother are weirdly close and tell each other a lot of things on mother's day like we're like it's like me and my sister and my brother and my mom were in the car and like like my brother will i'll be like were you what happened with that girl you were seeing he's like oh i don't i don't like her and I was like, you seem to not like a lot of the girls. You am like, why are you always breaking it off with people? You just gotta, like, power yeah. through. <laughs> so you're... Sure, so yeah. you find someone. Um, and then he was like, I didn't like her vagina. <laughs> and I was just like, what? What was wrong with it? And he was like, I just didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. And then I started getting scared about my vagina. Besides Sure, you're really like, cool. I'm like, what could be wrong with a vagina? Yeah. Uh-oh. So um i actually do have something wrong with my vagina but that's a whole other story and i am writing something about that okay oh, good. Um, good. <laughs> that is um teeth teeth too starring my vagina <laughs> uh but anyways my 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 brother are really close and he tells her like any kind of like sexual thing that happens gotcha. to him or like any like he'll tell her that so he doesn't she like a girl's knew. vagina yeah, yeah and my mom's like laughing and that's like yeah. a normal conversation Because my family has no boundaries. Uh, I'm trying to learn to have them. But I just told you guys that my vagina doesn't work. It works now. It works now.
0: Congratulations. Thank you.
3: (laughs) I like to talk about... um, So one project that I'm working on that I'm going to try and pitch to Comedy Central is about um, vaginismus. Do you guys know about vaginismus?
0: No. Is that a holiday?
3: It is. It's right after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, in between Christmas
0: and New year's basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah great it's a
3: fun day where your vagina closes up for no reason uh no vaginismus is uh so so when you have sex <laughs> yeah, no. i'm just gonna sure. <laughs> uh-huh. uh so when you have sex you're told like um so you know this is what's gonna ha- it's gonna be a little painful and uh it's gonna go in there and uh, yeah. and then everyone told me that's that. gonna happen sure and you're like, okay, cool. I think I get it. I get the gist. And then you're me and it doesn't go in there. It doesn't it's it's like um
0: And like everyone's trying to figure it out like what's there's a going whole team
3: on. there sure, sure. <laughs> trying to put it in <laughs>
0: well, sure, yeah. a stadium. Yeah.
3: Uh no, it just like it didn't it didn't go in and um it was just closed down there, like just like tapered off. Yeah, so I'm familiar
1: with it. You are? Yeah. I mean yeah. that not the, um, but So not then I went to the doctor
3: people. And I was like I made an appointment for them to look at it And they wrote my appointment down wrong And then they were like um, Do you want an STD test? And I was like no I, I don't And they were like no you should really get one and I was like I don't need one And they were like what does that mean? I'm like I don't need one Because I need you to look at my vagina Because nothing can go in there And because nothing can go in there I definitely yeah, don't I, have an STD I'm good. bitch yeah, yeah. So <laughs> would you look at my vagina? Uh, they didn't yeah. And then at the end of it she said, um, I don't know what to tell you.
0: This Some is peop- the doctor? Or this th- is the
3: doctor. She goes, I don't know what to tell you. Some people come in here every day and, uh, you know, sometimes they don't even have a vagina. They get their period <laughs> once a month and it turns out their vagina is actually their anus. That happens. <laughs> so it could be that, but I don't know. It wasn't that. <laughs> but You're like, um, thanks, doc. <laughs> I cried for a few days yeah. after that. Vaginas uh, vagina's an anus. That can happen. There's a lot of things they don't tell you. It wasn't that. Uh, and eventually I had sex, and I'm fine now. Everything's working properly. There you go. Uh, okay. just, it just had to be slowly stretched out. But that's a, that's the only project right now that I'm working on that is for me to act in and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um,
0: well, I feel like
3: there's a lot is. of
0: humor there, right? Yeah. I think like you can... Are you going to... Uh, like? You're gonna take it to Comedy Central, right?
3: Yeah, that's what we're trying to do right now. I mean, I think it's I think it's very funny, but I feel like I made you a little bit uncomfortable and you very uncomfortable. Well,
0: I would say it's weird to be on a podcast and not know what to say. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think it's a great story, and I think like yeah, I think it's mostly just like you don't want to like be offensive on accident. Do you know what I mean? Not
3: to tell people. Because then people are like, what's wrong with your vagina? I'm like, nothing's wrong with my vagina. It was a temporary thing that was wrong with my vagina. Yeah. And it was been fine now.
4: Yeah,
1: I guess you're welcome to. I mean, I guess the subject matter of our podcast tends to be a little more about like...
3: Filmmaking. How
1: you so, choose your side. Sure, sure. no, hold,
0: hold on, I'm going to break it back around that Because I think this is... Because, you know, you were talking about a show that you're going to pick. Right, right, but also
1: what inspires you, which is this.
0: Right. Both of which I think part of what is interesting just talking to you is that like you're so quick and so open that's great in the room like of course you're selling things do you know what i mean like i think there's such a premium on like personal experiences and point yeah, of people view like that they love that stuff yeah so you can go in and like tell a funny story about your vagina that's interesting yeah. and unique <laughs> Matt, that's a show
1: Matt told the vagina story
0: in a pitch and it backfired
1: oh, yeah, no. it did, it did. That's yeah. what true. kind of vagina just like a when you standard. didn't like, yeah. did you say
3: you didn't like it? Because that's bad. I would never say that.
1: If you, I just told my mom about to
3: it. all the <laughs> to all the men out there. If you don't like a vagina, decide to like it, marry it. And never think about it again. There you go. Never don't like a vagina.
0: For the record, I was not shit talking any (laughs) any vagina. By
3: the way, that's the only bad thing you could ever say about a vagina.
0: I want to go back a little bit broader, real quick, because I feel like listeners at home are going to hear your story and they're going to be like, okay, like she knew what she wanted to do, like basically immediately started making things, and it's like on the path. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Selling stuff nonstop. Yeah, you're just like. (laughs) sure i i know i know you don't feel that way but i guarantee there's like somebody in wisconsin who's like i would kill to lose money on a comedy central show do you know what i mean so what um what would you say is what's the secret to your success how what do you feel like i know that's that's i I think maybe a different version of that
1: is like what were you doing that wasn't working that you changed that now works like now you're kind of selling things and people are interested in what you have to say
3: well I think it's just it's just making things you know yeah. um if if I attain any amount of the success it'll just be because I have made a lot of things um and for a very long time you know so there as before we started the podcast I said you know there's a lot of things that you know are not on my website you know that mm-hmm. I made between the ages of 15 and you know 18, whatever. Uh, 15, 16. But, you know, that's like five short films and a feature I made when I was 16. And that was all, that was a lot of stuff. That's a lot of content. How
0: did you make a feature at 16?
3: Um, I had made three short films and I decided that I wanted to not make another short film because I thought I had, you know, already been there, done that. Yeah. And what I realized is that I wasn't making them the right way at all but um at that point the way I was working was improvised camp you know mm-hmm. little canon 5d a mic sure. propped up against the sofa sort of a thing and uh the feature you know was like two person crew I had my friend in it and you know it's mumble Corey, it's not yeah. very good it's, it's exists still, it's on youtube it's all incredible 95 that you did minutes that minutes of it um i don't recommend anybody watch it but sure. um yeah so then that that for me was one of the biggest learning experiences in just the fact of i can't do anything for no money again mm-hmm. and then after about eight months or so I, I mean I was crushed because the feature got rejected from every single film festival and it it was like you know a lot of work even being me sure. 16 and it being yeah. shitty or whatever it was a lot of fucking work and um, eventually I was just like well I guess I gotta continue making shit because mm-hmm. no one's knocking down my door for any reason so then I made another short and you know, I always...
0: You just kept going, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I always tried to, you know, reach out to people online, like, uh, you know, that were more successful for me than me for advice, for mentorship. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: What's the best piece of advice you got?
3: I guess just find your voice and keep making things. You know, that's really that's really the way to do it but the problem with i will say there there's one downside in finding your voice so i do think i have a very specific voice and the things that i make i keep trying to ring the same bell right because i want people to go oh yeah that's zane this is the thing this Mm -hmm. is what she does i like it i get it but then uh very recently I, i went out to pitch my first television show and it was um an idea that my boyfriend had had initially and it was you know, not in the Zane Rubin voice, but, you know, something I really liked a lot and and I worked very hard on and felt like I could make Mm -hmm. into a really wonderful show. And it didn't sell because the reality is when people look at me, they see a certain thing and now I'm trying to go against that. And it makes it much harder to sell that thing if they haven't seen me do it and I'm not, you know, like, Mm -hmm. insert famous person's name here.
0: Right, especially because it's your face and all of those. Yeah, pieces. totally. And it's right. th- so something. Yeah. I'm what, not going
3: to ask. What in was the genre
1: about. of the show you were pitching?
3: It was it was like a com- crime comedy. It was basically it was it was called Bureau of Bad News and it was about uh this man and woman who team up to deliver bad news wrapped in silver linings. So essentially they investigate this person to find things out about them. So when they deliver the news that your dog died, they can soften the blow with um,
0: You've got a great personality whatever. though Yeah
3: uh, something, something that w- they w- investigated yeah. Yeah. about them yeah.
1: yeah the average age of dogs is only eight years Yeah, yeah.
3: So um, Yeah so it was still like funny and weird And, and you know mm-hmm. that kind of a thing But it was just a little bit uh, different And we teamed up with a really great production company But it was also a stretch for the production company as well Because they hadn't done anything quite like that either um, And so now with the You know I, I don't really like the idea of a show of being like it's me and I'm just doing my thing but that's kind of what I put that whole my vagina not working into Mm -hmm. because I'm like at least that's a little bit interesting at least that's a little bit weird and that's a show maybe I could actually sell because it's like oh it's me and my weird voice and I'm in it and the other shows that I you know have come up with are you know I have something about 13 year olds and Mm -hmm. you know that's not for me to be in but that at least there's the angle of um,
0: an executive can be like oh you're young you know young people totally so that's
3: that's the angle we're going with on that Um, is like well I'm really young and we want to make a realistic show about growing up in 2019 Right. and
1: does your manager help you like package these pitches like figure out the pitches and everything yes
3: yeah
0: awesome well Zane uh, this has been great yeah. should if people want to find out more about you? ZaneRuben.com is that Zane the best Rubin way.
3: ZaneRuben.com is the best way.
1: Okay, so ZaneRubin.com, people should check out. Do tweet or do any of that? I'm on should the check?
3: Twitter. Nobody follows me. I'd love At to, have to get another couple followers. Zane S. Rubin. Zane's, Zanes
0: Rubin. Zane's Rubin. Zane's Rubin. There we go. I'll follow you. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Well, Zane, let's hop into unpaid endorsements. Unpaid endorsements. So
1: I've got two things. One of them is technically not an unpaid endorsement not a paid endorsement one of them is technically not a paid endorsement because i'm definitely not getting paid for it but one of our previous guests uh has hooked me up with some new plugins that came out today to let me test them out from red giant uh, and it's this uh, it's called the vfx compositing suite and it is it, it's like mind-blowing in a way that it, probably a lot of our listeners don't care about at all but I'm sure almost everyone on our podcast, including Zane, has had to deal with like a green screen shot before. No, actually. You've never done a green screen shot? I've never
3: done green screen.
1: And you've never been like, well, we can just get that on green screen. But yeah. with
3: this VFX bundle, I yeah. will green screen all the time.
1: Well, the thing about green screen, it's just kind of become like a very normal tool in the same way that because mm-hmm. Zoom Lens has, you know, for filmmakers. And to get like a B-level or even a B-plus level green screen comp like in your edit, it's super easy, right? Anyone in Premiere can hit like key light and hit the green and then it looks like B plus level. But to get like an A plus level, like a Hollywood level green screenshot is like really, really, really hard because you know there's like light from what's behind the person wrapping around them and there's haze and there's fog and there's all these things that the way light works, like when you take a, per- a thing that wasn't actually where you were saying it is, it just doesn't look as real because you're getting it like 80% of the way there, but that last 20%, even when we worked on your music video, which was supposed to look kind of bad, like graphic, yeah. it still looked better when we like brought in like yeah. elements from the background. The shots the that Oren did looked better than the shots that I did,
0: basically, is how it breaks
1: down. <laughs> yeah, and so the okay. so the, okay this new that. <laughs> uh, plugin bundle, it's called the VFX Suite from Red Giant, has this tool called uh, Super Comp, and it is like, it it just makes everything work in after effects in a way that I've never ever seen before and they have they just have a bunch of like awesome insanely cool new tools like new glows and new everything if you're doing anything remotely in the realm of sci-fi or even action check out um Red Giant's uh, new VFX suite they also have this this one other thing which is a huge VFX problem which I know I know I'm hitting just a tiny slice of our listeners but Uh, A lot of times when you shoot a movie, you're shooting in log color space, right? Because you want to keep all the color. And when you color correct it, you want it to look really great. But when you're adding elements like muzzle flashes or like explosions, those are usually shot in like rec 709, like a different color space. So those things never work together. And this bundle has like all these cool tools to let you combine those two things. And it's just been like one of the banes of my existence as a VFX artist forever that is all solved with this one thing. So...
0: Oren, I think this is... Um, I'm really excited about it. It's not an unpaid endorsement. I think you're losing us money. Like, there's no reason for Red Giant to sponsor us. Well, it's like We're,
1: Adobe. I'm, for the first <laughs> sure. two years we did this podcast, I'm like, guys, just get the Adobe Creative Cloud package.
3: I'm impressed with your um, with everything you just said, which pretty much all went over my head.
1: Nerdy shit. Nerdy <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, so the second thing, this is a podcast that came out like two years ago. But I've been researching these true crime podcasts, and have you guys heard of Up and Vanished?
4: Mm-mm. No. It's
1: uh, it's I think they're on their third season now. But it's this podcast where this guy literally just knew that like true crime podcasts did well, so he's like, I'll just try to make my own true crime podcast. <laughs> he had no idea what to make it about, so he just like went to Google and typed in cold cases, <laughs> and he, like in I think he was in Atlanta or something, so or in Michigan, wherever he lived, he put like cold cases in his state. And he found like a few, right? Like there was a website, top 10 cold cases. Like it was the police website, cold cases in Michigan or wherever. And he found this website called Web Sleuth and where people like private citizens are like investigating cold cases. And he like just asked if anyone knew about this, a few different cases. And he got a call from the main detective on one of the cases and got all the info. And he's like, uh, I guess I'm making a podcast about this cold case. Anyway, he was going to make like four episodes. 22 episodes later, he solved the cold case. Wow. Up and Vanished.
4: <laughs> That's cool. Uh, That's a guy crazy. that has
1: zero experience in investigating. <laughs> I mean, he Googles just like you, the three of us. Wow. Um, anyway.
0: Up and Vanished. Yeah. It's, and uh, the... it's old,
1: an oldie but a goodie, and I'm only one episode in, but I'm already well, really loving it.
0: Awesome. Uh, Zane.
3: Um, I have two shows that i like one is recent and one is not is that okay yeah that's perfect okay great so the recent one this isn't really everybody knows about it no uh but a lot everybody knows about it but i i really think it's great i don't really like um most tv even though golden age of tv uh but dead to me Oh, yeah. oh. I, to sure. I thought was really, really wonderful. I thought it had all of the, all the things one might want in a television show. Um, super smart, super funny. It has a visual style. Um, it, there's a thriller aspect to it. It's just like really good writing. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of the times when you watch shows that are supposed to be great, you're like, this is really lazy writing. Like, mm-hmm. how did this like... Yeah, past all those places. But yeah, I think that shows really great. Um, and it's one of the only things recently I've been like, I really like this. Oh, as well as Escape from Dan- Escape at Danamora is yeah. really wonderful as well. That was not my second one. I'm gonna but just, just sneak it in there. Sneak it in that, there. Escape at Danamora is great. Who has
1: Showtime? How do you guys all have Showtime? Uh,
3: you My can, sister's ex friend's parents' login. <laughs> I will give it to you when this is over. <laughs> I think you can
0: also. Um, I will not sign take up. that. Thanks. It's worth it to sign up for like the free trial and, and just you like. Get, and you, I think you can get through it pretty quick. Yeah,
3: yeah. it's there's only like six. Yeah, it's, it's really can I tell better. you about
1: Dead to Me real quick? The creator Liz Feldman. Yeah. Movie, I think we used to write in SNL. She had a general meeting where she was told that she was going to like be presented a few different show ideas that the network had and they were going to get her take on it. But she was like the last person after like they saw 10 other people. And they were like, you know, we're sick of our ideas. Do you have anything? And she like had had like a miscarriage like two weeks before and like her cousin unexpectedly died like three weeks before. And she's like, well, what about like a grief, dealing with grief and people, like a comedy about grief. And then she basically like, just that's invented expensive. it How in all the, room. the best
3: things happen it yeah. seems They're all the things that sell at least you've been working on it for 30 years say goodbye <laughs> <laughs> um it's really good though that's but really good. uh oh and the other thing is a show that was on it started in 2011 called enlightened it was on hbo it had oh, yeah. two seasons yeah. a white show, right? it's a mike white show right mike yeah, white it's is Tony my favorite Collette? writer yeah that makes sense. no it's um uh, why am I blinking? Laura Dern. Laura Dern, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Laura Dern. Mike White's also in it. Um, Molly Shannon's in it a bit. It is my favorite thing of Ooh. anything that's ever existed. Um, and everybody I've showed it to is like, fuck, that's amazing. And everybody I know that's seen it is like, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. you um, need like to
0: watch that show. It's yeah. Yeah, magnificent.
3: It. And it's only the first season is like. Ten episodes, and the second season is eight, and they're thirty minutes long. It's like not even that much. And Mike White wrote every single episode by himself. Yeah, I mean that's that's some next level. Um, so yeah, those are those are my couple.
0: Love it, Zane. Um, well, I've got uh two things. Um, have you guys seen the documentary City of Gold?
3: I have seen it.
0: It's the Jonathan Gold documentary. Yeah, I I saw it when he was alive. Yeah. Yeah well uh we're coming up on uh the year anniversary and it's um great it's on hulu right now it's nice it's just about um is it about um, la it's about la food scene yeah la food scene and basically jonathan gold's impact on los angeles and food criticism it's pretty nuts like Like he he made like
3: changed lives
0: tacos cool right yeah, not only did he make tacos it's, cool, but he was part of like a second wave of like food criticism where you didn't just review hoity-toity restaurants. Right, it's not right. just you review taco yeah. trucks and right
3: stands and whatnot. Yeah. And then He because discovered he reviewed
0: them. Koji? Was yeah. he? Yeah, and Kogi, 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 Kogi. Yeah.
3: I've been watching the John Favreau yeah show with um the Kogi guy. What's his name? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. What they, have is that a fun, one they have a fun little dynamic the what? chef show or something yeah. something really generic it's pretty
0: generic yeah it's
3: really generic the best part about that show is the little animation they have the in between it's like wonderful
0: they do they i don't know if you've watched, i've only watched one episode but they have the woman from jitlada her name is jazz and she's like cooking oh i've not seen this. at one yet. point she just like chops up a jalapeno and Favreau's is like you're not gonna Take the seeds out or anything, and she's like, "Nah," and just throws like an entire unseeded jalapeno into a blender, which is like, "Oh, that's why that shit is so hot." Yeah.
3: I decided to make beans recently, and I used a jalapeno and a couple serranos, and I got a chemical burn from it. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, holy shit, that's yeah. painful. I Has that ever happened to you?
0: My wife uh, just, like, wiped her eye, well, like, the first time we really oh, cooked yeah, the not, jalapeno. Nah. And it was, like, just a tiny, tiny bit. You know, I think she maybe even washed her hands. No, you like,
3: can't. If you wash your hands, it doesn't get it off. Yeah, you yeah. have to put rubbing alcohol in yeah. to, like, scrub it off.
0: Yeah, it's no joke, but so delicious. Um, and my last one, my last endorsement, is uh, Workflowy, which is a website... That basically is just like nested bullet points. Yeah, you lists. ever use it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lists, and it's awesome for outlining. I I hadn't really work had like, flow-y. like a workflowy. Huh. Okay, it's like great for outlining because you can like basically, you know, net you you build out your architecture of like okay, like you know all here's my all my act breaks and then here all my little scenes nested within each act and you can kind of move the scenes around and like throw any dialogue bits or anything it's like a, just a nice clean um and you can like adding, and Oh, i have, thing. I have yeah. one more really good one
3: yeah um script notes craig mazen did an episode recently where he basically just tells you how to write a script
0: how to write a script i've heard mm-hmm. about this i haven't listened to it yet
3: it's nuts like if you follow it like you'll have a script
0: and you're good to go yeah wow, there you go i didn't feel like it was nuts but it's very good
3: super good it's
0: very craig masony here's and- here's the thing up until chernobyl
3: oh i mean everything he's done has been terrible i'm not bad, saying right? that that's not <laughs> true um I not
0: terrible it. I, I i like his stuff i
1: like him a lot you know i think yeah i, I, think appreciation th-
3: for him. I mean everything he said it wasn't it was i was like yeah that's right yeah, I've never really heard it. Like, you know, so many things, you know, about writing, you just know innately. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's good to be like, oh, and then we're supposed to have that thing. That part's supposed to happen now. OK, right. Just that's like have it in the back of your mind.
0: Intellectualized a little
1: bit. For right? me, yeah. the biggest takeaway is kind of his anti-intellectualizing of it, which is he's like you look at screenplay structure and three acts and act breaks and all this stuff. And he's like, that's not how you write. a sc- Like, that's how you analyze a screenplay. Maybe. That's a result of good writing, but it doesn't lead to good writing. Mm.
3: Well, yeah, that's why I liked this perspective more. And I think the, the part that stuck with me is the idea that you have a character who has a life. It's, he keeps using, they have, they have stasis, right? And then mm-hmm. something happens, and then they just want to go back to the stasis. And then at a certain point, you decide, oh, no, I don't want to go back to that. I want this new thing. Mm-hmm. And that's all a movie is. There you go. I mean, that's kind of the, that's the gist of what he says.
0: That's
1: yeah. pretty good. Right? And a scene. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting thank, with yeah. us. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Um, if you want to learn about all of the stuff that we talked about, it's all in the show notes. We'll have a handful of Zane's movies, all of the links to her stuff, etc., etc. You can follow us uh, across all social media at just shoot a pot and at me at Mr. Madeline.
1: And me at O'Kaplan on Instagram. And if you have any comments or anything, please email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com um, or call our voicemail number, one two six two shoot one. We love to hear from people. And this episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe, it was produced by Madeline Rosewatt, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams, who's actually been doing a lot of fixing of our website. It. Our website is uh, in pretty good shape right now. Check it out, justshootitpod.com. The music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And we will catch you next time.
4: Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.